Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season two of the 100 Masked Men series, where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about what masculinity means to them, gender expectations, and how that affects how they interact with women. This month, we're taking a special focus on men's mental health, sponsored by Tether, the world's first online peer-to-peer support community connecting men for open and honest conversations about life. Masked man number 33 is the masculine man. He shares his transition from very rigid masculine views to finding balance with feminine energy. From past girlfriends to watching himself on screen, he had to swallow his pride and ego and seek help through therapy. I'm honestly so grateful to have this vulnerable conversation available for you to listen to today. I hope you enjoy the show. For me, when I started um, with personal training, I was all like, I was like the typical male, you know, I had that male mentality where it's just like, I gotta get big, I gotta get strong. And, you know, um, I, I focus mainly on the aesthetics and, you know, just getting my body in, in tip top shape and getting bigger muscles and everything and really didn't pay any attention to the mobility and flexibility aspect of it. In fact, I didn't even know that the, there, there was a difference between the two at that time. And um, I was still, during that time, I was still like kind of making videos. Like I, I, I was still attached to the film world to some degree, but like doing my own personal stuff. And at that time I was making, uh, I was working on a web series um, for my YouTube channel at the time. And it was like a superhero web series. Cause if, in case you couldn't tell, I'm like a big superhero <laughs> fan. Um, and so I was one of the lead roles and I was supposed to be like in like a, like the main superhero. And um, so, you know, I, I took the typical approach that you often see in a lot of these superhero movies where it's like, you know, the superheroes, you know, huge, he's a massive person, like, you know, he's got big muscles and stuff. Um, and so that was the approach I took with my, 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 with my training, right? And focused like very little to none on the flexibility portion of it. And of course we had like fight scenes in, in the web series. And so when it came to shooting the fight scenes, I was just super stiff, like couldn't move. It looked, basically the fight scene looked like trash. Like it just <laughs> looked like big, a big bulky guy, just, you know, moving his arms, flare, flailing around and stuff. And so we ended up having to um, modify the fight scene dramatically on my account. And that's when I realized that, you know, okay, so it's not enough to just be big and strong. I, I gotta be mobile too. And so um, I realized that if, you know, big muscles, like if, you, if what good is big muscles if you can't use them, right? And so that's kind of what led me down the stretching path. Interesting. It's funny how you come from the film and TV space and it was all about aesthetics for you. It was all about like mm -hmm. how you look and then it didn't even matter because you couldn't perform it. Yeah. You know, in the video, like you couldn't see yourself. So yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Something and you know, not to sound too cheesy or anything, you can really achieve anything, right? It's it really does come down come down to a mentality. So you were saying that you were just moving around a lot with your mom. So was mm -hmm. it just you two moving around or did you have siblings? Yeah. So I had, uh, I had two sisters. Um, and yeah, we, we moved around quite a bit. This was um, before my little sister was born. Uh, it was just me and my older sister. And um, 
I, I must, from the age of, I want to say five to about maybe eight, I'd gone to at least four or five different schools. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very hard transition for me and it made it hard for me to develop social skills and, and to just overall, it, it really just impacted my, my ability to, to learn effectively. So it seems like your household was mainly female led. Mainly, yeah. So what was your relationship like with your father? And if you didn't have him, like, Mm -hmm. did you replace your father figure with a different role model? So, so it it was kind of a weird uh, dynamic. Like I had always had a good, like my, so in the first, like when I was born, my, my, my dad wasn't around, but not because he didn't want to, it was because my mom was very bitter towards him and she wanted to have a relationship with him and he just wanted to have a relationship with me. And so my mom set out a rule where it's just like, well, if, you know, it's, it's a, it's a two package deal. You either get us or you get no one. And so for the first couple of years of my life, I didn't, I wasn't able to have a relationship with my, my father because of that. And then my dad eventually, you know, he, he, he kept trying to fight for custody and everything because he just, he honestly just wanted the relationship with me, you know, from the, from the moment that me and my dad met, like we, we'd connected, like I didn't know who he was, but I just, I don't know. There was some kind of um, connection. I, my, my, my grandmother used to say the reason for that was because he could, like, I could smell his blood or something. She was very super spiritual and stuff. You know, we also have this, we also share the same birthday. So, I mean, there might've been some kind of connection there as well, but um, yeah, he was, he, he was aside from me being born, like he was pretty present um, in my life. Although, you know, I had only seen him weekly on like a weekend type basis. And so for the most part, for the first nine years of my life, I was pretty much just growing up with my, my mom and my sisters. Okay. And yeah. your father didn't want or have the same connection with your older sister? Uh, no. So the, the thing with that is we all have different fathers. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So my dad only had one child. Okay. Yeah. So then after nine years old, how mm-hmm. did your relationship change with your father? So he eventually got custody of me. And then um, we, like our, there was really no change. I mean, we'd always been really cool. Like I, I always wanted to live with my dad just cause like we, like we got along great and he was, sorry, not was, he still is, he's still around. He's, he's a great father. He's, uh, you know, we, we have a really good dynamic. We talk all the time. He's responsible for the man I am today. He taught me about morals and respecting women and what it is to be a man. And those are values that I hold strongly to, the, to this day. So, yeah. Okay. So then you ended up continuing like the rest of your youth with yeah. your father. Yeah. Did you ever resent your mother for kind of holding your, your relationship back in the beginning years? Yeah. Um... Not, not, spe- not specifically for that. There was other things that I resented her for, but I don't know if I would say that that was something that I, I, I held a grudge against with her. There are times when I'm just, kind of, I was kind of like, I, I wish that, you know, we were all just like one big family as opposed to it being split. But yeah, in terms of that, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there was much resentment there in that regard. Okay. So yeah. Um, how close are you now with your sisters? Uh, not at all. I haven't talked to them in quite a few years now. Okay. Yeah. So that sounds like pretty fragmented, you know, with 
Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was pretty messy just because, you know, obviously they don't know my dad all that well. And so they're, they're, there's always going to be a little bit of bias and I don't blame them, but yeah, it just got really hard to, to keep a close relationship with them. And we kind of just all just drifted apart. I mean, I personally don't have any ill feelings towards them. Cause I mean, they, it's not like they, they didn't do anything wrong. I don't know how they feel about me and my choice to live with my dad and kind of just keep my mom at arm arm's length. But um, yeah, we, we haven't really spoken since. Okay. So yeah. that's interesting that you kind of started to grow into your own man. You know, you had mm-hmm. your father there to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, you were brought up with a lot of feminine energy, you know, mm-hmm. and then you kind of continued growing with masculine energy. Mm-hmm. What would you say you have brought from that childhood into your current relationship? Like you're saying that you wish you can all be one big family. So I know you're in a mm-hmm. monogamous relationship. So mm-hmm. what is your ideal future state with you and your partner? Well, it wasn't always like that. So with my with my ex, for example, we we had ended our relationship um, last year. But prior to that, we were we'd been dating for for six years. And I noticed that a lot of a lot of the issues that we endured was were issues that were stemming from, I guess, certain feelings or resentment that I had towards my mom, but more so more so about her just not fulfilling her role as as a mother the way that I, I needed her to be. Because of that, there, there, there was a void that I felt like I needed filling, and I, I had often projected that on, on my ex at the time, and I guess subconsciously was uh, projecting the notion that I, I needed her to kind of fill that void of my mother, and that was a that put a strain on our relationship, and it was like because I had ill feelings towards my mom, I knew it was almost like, it's almost like you you have this uh you have this bucket right. And you tell your partner, I want you to fill this bucket with whatever it is that you've got, right? And because they love you, they'll do it like willingly. No, no questions asked or anything. But what you're doing as the, the bucket holder is you're poking holes in the side of the bucket, right? And they're filling the bucket, keep filling it. And everything that they're putting into it is just leaking out. So they got to fill up, they got to fill it with more stuff. And then they keep filling it until there's nothing left for them to give. And then they're basically just running on fumes. And that's kind of how I could best describe our relationship. I just kept poking holes to see if, you know, like it was basically like my test in terms of like, I want to see how much this person loves me kind of thing. Right. And that's never the right thing to do in any relationship. And, um, as a result, she reached her breaking point and, um, you know, she still wanted to make it work, but because there was nothing left for her to give, like she had become so exhausted beyond repair that it was kind of like, I could see that, you know, this was just, I had done this. Like, this is, I don't know how we, we go beyond this and repair the damage that's already been done. And so we ultimately ended up saying our goodbyes. And I learned a lot from that. I learned I learned that, you know, especially as a man, like you, you like well, not even just as a man, just a, a person in general, like you have to really be, you have to want to heal your own wounds first. Right. And like, you know, no one else is responsible for your happiness. You're the only one that's responsible for your happiness. And so that's what I ended up doing. I, I ended up just focusing on, on me and not in a selfish way, but just more so in a, in a way of like fulfilling, fulfilling my own happiness. I think that takes a lot to admit that it was yourself, 
mm-hmm. that was causing that, you know, mm-hmm. and then realizing where the source was from. And yeah. like, I think everyone has this anxiety about one parental figure mm-hmm. on just like, I don't know if you love me enough, or you just weren't there in the way that I wanted you to be there. Mm-hmm. And no one can read your mind and know what that yeah. means, right? Yeah. So how did you carry that into your current relationship now? Like what, based on those learnings, what do you do differently? So how I carry it into my, to my new relationships is I, I'm just a little bit more mindful of how I treated, treated my ex. And, you know, I, I basically focus on fulfilling my, my own happiness. Like I focus on, like, I don't put, I put the, I don't put that strain or that burden on, on my partner. I, I basically just, you know, I open the doors of communication, but also I try to make sure that there's, there's an understanding there as well, because I know they say that communication is the key or communication is key, but really what good is communication if a person doesn't comprehend what you're trying to say, right? It's like, you could, you could be talking to the person all day long, but if they don't understand where you're coming from, then it's pretty much useless. So I, I really emphasize on the importance of understanding and, you know, communication, of course, but also that understanding and always having that open, that open line of feedback and interaction and, and, I try not to hold anything back in terms of like how I'm feeling. I know a lot of this, like in terms of like the the interview that you're doing too, and, and, you know, talking about like, you know, alpha males and stuff like that. I grew up in a time when like being a man meant like, you know, not, not, not crying or not showing your, or expressing your, your, your feelings or your emotions and stuff. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a very sensitive dude, but I always viewed sensitivity as like a weakness. And so I'd often like, bury that that deep inside me and um now i i feel like i'm a little bit more open about it like i express myself unapologetically and i'm slowly learning how to label my emotions because i feel like a lot of a lot of men especially have a hard time labeling their feelings because it's almost like it's like taboo where it's just like oh like i don't want to be thought of as a pussy so i'm just gonna you know bury this down deep inside and like not bring it up again but then you harbor that in and then you know me as like a a manual therapist I know that like when you're working with with the body and you know you're you're dealing with people that are that undergo stress on the daily they like the body takes an imprint of that stress and it holds on to that stress and like there'll be times when I'll I'll be doing manual work on somebody and they'll just they'll just start crying like randomly and you know, when I, when that first started happening, I thought I was like, oh man, I, I just messed this person up. But really it, what it was is they're just, their body's holding on to that energy. And when it starts to get released, that energy has to go somewhere. Like energy doesn't get created or destroyed. It just changes. And so it has to change and flow in a different way. And some, and, you know, once you release that, it kind of expresses itself physically. So hopefully that answers your question. I know I kind of rambled on there, but yeah. Okay. That's so interesting that well what do you think is the main challenge with men and mental health and you know seeking your own personal development because like you said like Mm -hmm. thinking about emotions or being sensitive just wasn't Mm -hmm. approved of you know growing up yeah yeah i i think it goes back to what i was saying about how you know we we as men we have this this misconception that you know expressing your feelings is is a sign of weakness and if we're talking specifically about mental health, then for me, like now I, like ever since my, my breakup with my ex, 
I, uh, I started talking to a therapist because I'd reached a uh, rock bottom where it was just like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Cause like everything was like kind of crumbling at that point. Like I'd cut ties with my mom for good. I I'd lost a friend to, to cancer and then, you know, lost my, my, my ex. And so there was a lot that was like weighing down on me and I, I didn't really know what to do. And I was like full of so much emotion and, and I didn't know how to express it in a way that like felt strong and so you know while when I was with my girlfriend at the time and we were going through our problems she had um she had mentioned the 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 idea of you know going to see a therapist right but she had she said it in a way where it was like it 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 came off as if it's like you know when you call a person crazy Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's like it like it wasn't so direct like that but it was kind of like you know, the way she presented it, she was like, yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm, I'm willing to buy you therapy sessions for your birthday kind of thing. And it was just like, that didn't sit right with me. Right. And I know a lot of people have apprehensions about talking to a therapist, right. Especially in the, in the black community, that's almost like a, it, it's like a no, no, right. They don't believe in, in seeing a therapist or whatever. It's very taboo in, in, in our culture. And so I did have apprehensions uh, regarding it, but I, you know, I bit my tongue and, and found that route and it actually really, really did help. And I still, I still take therapy and it's really just helped me identify and label my emotions and, and, and kind of get more clarity in terms of what it is that I'm feeling and how I can approach or deal with these emotions when, when they sometimes get out of control, because, you know, emotions are just energy in motion. Right. And it's like, we just need to learn how to identify them and then manage them correctly. So, yeah. I think that's really interesting that there's two judgments on you, like being Mm -hmm. both male and black, right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a cultural aspect that's just like, we just struggle through it. We find our way. There's no such thing. It's a white people thing, you know, mm-hmm. to think about therapy and yeah. mental health. Right. Yeah. And it's like real life isn't like that. We're just going to plow through. And I have that same mentality, like from mm-hmm. an Asian standpoint, yeah. like, there's no such thing as that. You just work mm-hmm. real struggle. It's life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But then you don't get to that deeper level and then you're always living in that survival mode. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think if someone tells you to take therapy, it's like, if you want to like kind of embody that superhero mm-hmm. mentality, like you're the one saving people, you're the one fixing things. Yeah. So what happens when the hero needs saving? Yeah. You know? And you don't want to think about that because you're like, that's not allowed, you know, exactly. like, it's supposed to be the epitome of strength. Right. Right. Like from, so from a woman's like perspective, like for you, you know, because we all go through emotions, men, women, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. Right. But you know, as a woman, like when you're going through emotions, like how, how do you label your feelings, your emotions? And like, how does, how do you perceive that in terms of how society views that? Cause sometimes there, I, like I notice that there's sometimes that stigma of like, you know, if a, if a woman expresses herself emotionally, there's, there are, there, you're always throwing around that, oh, she's just on her period or like, she's like, you know, being emotional or, or sensitive. So it's almost like there's like a, there, there's, there's a negative connotation attached to that as well, right? You know, I like, I mean, there's, I don't know what the comparison in, is in terms of like men and women, but I know that women sometimes face that as well. So like, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's the, that's the second judgment, right? Mm-hmm. So like in the, and for men, it's like, you're not allowed to be emotional. And mm-hmm. then when women are just emotional, it's like, you're too emotional, right? So it's like, yeah. it, it's the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very difficult, I think, because I realized 
when men say that to women, because an, another woman is not going to say, hey, woman, you're being emotional. They're just going to, you know, yeah. talk to you about it. Right. So yeah. they'll see it. They'll notice it. They'll try to communicate with you. And if you are feeling emotional mm-hmm. towards a woman, she will also try to, you know, engage with you and try to figure out what that is. Right. But if a man calls another man emotional or if a man calls another woman emotional, yeah. he's the one that's afraid mm-hmm. of releasing his emotions. Absolutely. Right. So if anyone does that, it's a projection of themselves. So when I look at that, I'm just like, okay, buddy, you need some work to do Mm -hmm. about me. Yeah. Go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Right. Cause I'm just, I am now reacting based on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm now realizing like, you just want to rise out of me or you want a reaction out of me to prove Mm -hmm. and validate that you don't need emotions. Yeah. That I'm the crazy one. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can feel more normal. So yeah. that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like for me, I, I, I got lucky, I guess, because my dad is um, he's sensitive. He doesn't talk very much about his emotions. But like when when his his feelings are hurt, he'll he will let you know. And so I, I didn't really grow up in an environment where like, you know, expressing your emotions was looked down upon, at least with my regarding my dad right so I guess that's kind of where I developed that sensitivity and and that ability to express myself I guess it just kind of you know the societal the societal pressures of what it what a a masculine man is supposed to look like kind of fools you into thinking that oh okay yeah it's supposed to be you know big boys don't cry and they don't they don't show weakness by sharing their emotions and talking about stuff and and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I guess it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. because I I do feel like there has to be a balance. I I think most guys or some guys will, you know, tip the balance and just stay within that alpha male bravado type of thing. Yeah. Where do you think that alpha male bravado came from? Um, I want to say movies, but I, I feel like it, it it predates that. I think it just comes from like your upbringing, I, I, like you know, because how the world is now is is vastly different than how it was like when my dad was growing up, or even people older than my dad, right? And so if you've had if you had an old school father who himself had an old school father, then they they grew up in an era where you know that was the, like the the alpha male was heavily predicated on not expressing your emotions not crying not doing all that stuff and so you're you're basically just, you're you're growing you're grown up in that vi- environment where there's a depiction of what a a masculine male is supposed to to be right it's like you know he's the breadbringer he's he, he's playing with his hands he's he's big and strong and and doing all this kind of stuff and and that's how it got it, that got perpetuated in movies and then that depiction of alpha male became vastly heightened and you see it in like movies like fast and the furious where it's like dominic toretto is the badass and like you know he's the mechanic who is super strong and like bleeds but like doesn't even like flinch when he bleeds and like just all that crazy nonsense like that right and you know the 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 sensitive guy kind of gets pushed to the side and even when like you see it in movies like the sensitive guy is like always portrayed as the weak guy who has to like eventually overcome and have some kind of triumph story where he like throws a punch at the the bully and you know now becomes the hero after like the movie's like nearly over so the sensitive guy doesn't get a lot of shine I feel in in movies and that just kind of 
trickles over the years into into a reality and it paints this image of males in this I, I guess you could say negative light because I mean that's not I don't feel like Dominic Toretto is the poster child for like <laughs> what it is to be a man kind of thing I, like I said it, it has to be a healthy balance I think you can be Dominic Toretto but you can also be see I can't even name any sensitive sensitive dudes for movies because it's like they're so far and few between that it's like out of my head right but you know there there, ha- there can be a healthy balance of like a Dominic Toretto and like some sensitive guy kind of thing you could be a mix of both you don't necessarily have to be one or the other and even if you are just a sensitive guy it doesn't mean it doesn't make you any less masculine I think that's very dangerous when it's all about like you said the appearance right Mm -hmm. and all all you see is that strength and then you don't have that foundation Mm -hmm. underlying that yeah so in the work that you do now like what is um what is animal flow and why did you get or how did you get into that yeah, so animal flow is a um, it's a ground-based movement practice that is that's derived from many different disciplines. So you'll see a lot of elements of like like gymnastics, yoga, breakdancing, capoeira. So I often say this joke that if if breakdancing and yoga got together and had a baby, they would give birth to animal flow. So just to kind of give you a, a mental image of what that looks like. And so it's like yoga, but a little bit more dynamic and allows you to move in multiple planes of motion. And what led what kind of uh led me to exploring this discipline was that i come from the dance world so um i used to i used to b-boy and and pop and all that stuff and um and then i got into gymnastics a little bit later on and then eventually started doing capoeira so i was doing a lot of different things within that discipline and so because animal flow is kind of an amalgamation of all of those things like i was kind of like oh it's perfect it's like all those things like mesh into one that's that's amazing and so because of its dynamic appeal and and how great it is for the body not just from um you know stability standpoint but also it's dynamic it's dynamic movement it's also helping to improve your mobility and it's fun that's really what led me to really exploring the discipline and and getting really into it and i love it and so i've been teaching it for about four or five years now that's really cool yeah i love yoga in the sense that it's your own practice, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can be doing it completely wrong, but it's your Mm -hmm. own practice and you're just thankful to be on the mat. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think a lot of different other practices are very intense about technique and form Mm -hmm. and foundation. And I think that gets really restrictive at certain Mm -hmm. times, right? So I like Mm -hmm. animal flow in the sense that like, it's an amalgamation of different Mm -hmm. things. So you can lead into the dance part or the fighting part or like whichever part that you want. And Mm -hmm you'll have that range of motion. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I like, I, I love yoga too, because like you said, it is your own practice. And I wasn't always a fan of yoga, to be honest. Um, my first introduction was from another ex and we like, I feel like when you when you get introduced to, to yoga, you should start off with like something easy, like a Hatha yoga or something like that. But she threw me right into like Bikram or like some hot yoga stuff. Yes. And like, I was not having it. I was like, this is way like, I haven't even moved yet and I'm sweating balls right now. So it was like, it was just way too much for me. And like, I I got turned off from it. And then um, as I got older and I started getting more into spirituality, you know, I started getting these signs, I guess, from the universe saying like, you gotta, you gotta do some like Hatha yoga. And so now I'm currently studying Hatha yoga to kind of complement my animal flow, just because I like in a lot of these, uh, the classes that you go to in yoga or when you see, or when you do yoga on like YouTube, for example, 
they're only focusing on the asanas a lot of the times, like the, just like the physical practice. And that's great. But for me, I feel like now that I'm, I'm kind of more in tune with my spiritual side, I like, I, I want to learn all the other, like the other side of the asanas, like the, the, the more spiritual practice as well. And so I've been really incorporating a lot of that into my animal flow practices. So it's, it's been a very enlightening experience so far. Is there, is there any judgments with men that do yoga that are straight? I think like, it's either like, oh, I'm going to attack this yoga and I'm going to do the hot, like power yoga or like, I don't know. Do you get that? I I don't know if there's that, if there's still that same stigma now. I I think, I think it's more widely accepted. Maybe like years ago, uh, that might've been a, I I believe that was a thing. Cause again, you're, 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 you're growing up in like the male bravado where you're, you're like, oh no, I'm only lifting weights and nothing else. I'm not going to do no yoga stuff. And for, for a while, I I feel like that was the same with like dancing as well. Like I had always like loved to dance. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't great. Like I wasn't uh, good at the choreography stuff, but I was a freestyle dancer. Right. And so, you know, you'd always see me in the corner and I was like, I was the shy kid, but I was always like working on my Michael Jackson moves and stuff. And this was before you got served. Right. Because after that movie, there was an insurgence of like, just everyone was like battling and, and like, People were coming out of the woodworks, just like, you know, getting their dancing shoes on and stuff. Right. But before that movie, dancing was mainly something that females did. And if you were a dude and you were a dancer, you know, you got roasted on. And so that was an issue that I had had faced. So like to answer your question, I think that yoga kind of fell into that same category as well. Like if you weren't doing perceived manly stuff, like playing a sport, which I did not play sports growing up, or you weren't like lifting weights, then yeah, like if you were a straight male, then you were, it was questionable. Right. So I think now though, it's more widely accepted. Like you see a lot more guys doing yoga and, you know, there's a lot more emphasis on flexibility and mobility and the importance of, of those two uh, more so mobility, but like the more research is being understood in terms of like the benefits of having mobility that complements to your strength training. Because anytime I, I lift weights, I'm always, I'd always get injured unless I wasn't focusing on my mobility, right? And so now that's starting to become more of a staple in a lot of people's workouts. So, you know, you'll see a lot more of the bodybuilders like gravitating to yoga as a, as a means of like uh, complementing their strength training. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there's the same trend with women so i mean i started to get really into weight training and there was always Mm. that stigma of like if you do weights you're going to start looking like a man Mm -hmm. um so i'd have the same thing but other women would celebrate other women lifting weights it's only men that are lifting weights start to get upset with other women lifting weights why do you why do you think there's a sudden like (laughs) competitive thing or like a problem there Cause it, cause it's an ego thing. I think, I think, you know, because like women are badasses, man. Like they, like they, there's so much they can do and they were, they were underestimated for so long. Mm -hmm. And then now that they're going into like weightlifting and, you know, especially if you have a woman that is lifting weights and knows what she's doing in the gym. Cause you know, like back in the day, you'd see it on TV shows all the time too, right? Where a girl would be in the gym, she'd be like lifting weights, and then some guy, like this, some big ass guy, would be coming like up to her and be like, "Hey, do you need help with something or whatever?" Or, like, look at your baby weights or whatever. And now, like, you, like I know, I know girls who lift more than I do, 
or like and like they're like like good form and like every, like they know what they're doing like they don't they don't need a dude's help right they they got it right so i think it's an ego thing where like guys you know they uh they they almost feel powerless in a sense like not me like i don't i could care less like my my partner right now she she's a beast in the gym like she she got bigger biceps than i do so like I, I got no issues with that. Like uh, I, I find it very admirable, and and um, any woman who you know is going after hers and and getting strong in the gym, and you know, because there is that again, there is that stigma of like, and I see it with a lot of my my female clients where they uh, they get apprehensive about lifting weights because they're like, oh, I don't want to like look big and bulky and manly, right? And I try to tell them that you know, unless a, like a, a female is like on the juice, you're, you're not gonna get the same kind of like manly physique as like an actual man, right? Because you don't produce enough testosterone in your body for that to happen, right? And so, you know, once you get over, once a woman gets over that hurdle and she starts lifting weights and then she gets really into it and then her body starts to change and she becomes stronger as a result of that, it's, 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 it's awesome to see. And some guys appreciate it and then some guys are, are scared by it. So yeah, it's, I, I think it just all comes down to ego. I think it's interesting. You said powerless and like, you know, the guy coming in saying, Hey, do you need help? Mm -hmm. Like, why do you want to help her? Or why do you think that that's part of your role? Do you think it's part of your role? I think, I think it's just ingrained in some men. Like we, and I have it to a certain degree, not so much in that scenario, but more so in the, um, I'll, I'll be completely honest. There are certain things, there are certain old beliefs that I still have that, that make me, that basically put me in the mind frame of like, if I do this, or if I'm able to do this, this makes me a man, right? If I'm able to provide for my woman financially, then this is me as a man, right? And again, going back to my ex, like she made more money than me because I'm an entrepreneur. And so at that time, I was just kind of growing my business and um, she was working like a nine to five stable job. And so that became an issue for us because, you know, she wanted to move out and, she wanted us to get a, a, like a place together. We were talking about like marriage and kids and all that stuff. And it's like, I felt so emasculated because it was like, she was talking about all the stuff that she was going to handle. And it was just like, I can't, I can't even contribute. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I know in a way I did feel powerless in that regard. Right. Because it's like, now we live in an era where like women are able to, you know, provide for themselves and, you know, they're working out, they're doing all this stuff. Like they don't really need, they don't really need a man like the like the, the like the fact that a woman has a man is con almost considered a luxury now in a lot of ways or uh, whereas but like back in the day like it was like um you know a woman women weren't weren't working they were stay-at-home mothers taking care of the kids cooking cleaning all that kind of stuff and we don't live in that world anymore right like w like a woman will only do that if she chooses to do that but she now has like women now have options which is great because it's it's getting closer to that equality. It's not quite there yet, unfortunately, but women are making headways in that regard in terms of, you know, being able to do stuff for themselves and not having to be dependent on anyone. And so I think that kind of threatens the male ego in a lot of ways because they're like, okay, well, what am I here for then? I, I give you a baby and then I just kind of like sit back and I just chill, right? I think most most guys kind of still feel that way where they feel as though, you know, there's no, per they, they have no purpose in a woman's life anymore. But do you think that a woman has a lot of purpose in a man's life? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I honestly think it's, it's, it's both. I, I, I think once you get past the superficial stuff, I think men and women, they, 
they need each other. I think I, I think they balance each other out. And there are a lot of things that I, I, I sometimes don't understand. And I, I sometimes need to see it from a female lens. Before you were talking about like feminine and masculine energy, which is not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily equate to male and female. Like a, like a man can have mas- uh, f- uh, feminine energy, much like a, a woman can have masculine energy, right? We, we, both, we both have masculine and feminine energy. It's just like one side is sometimes more, dominant than the other right but i think men and women kind of balance each other out it's like yin and yang in a a, a lot of ways right it's so yeah i think once you like i said once you get past the superficial stuff i think we both really do like need each other and it's not a competition it's like we're we're, we should be viewing it as like we're a team you know i think it's interesting that you're not too bothered about appearances with Mm. with women like if they're stronger than you or whatever Mm. um and i think traditionally I mean, the whole world knows that women have been objectified by mm-hmm. their sexuality. Mm-hmm. But I think people don't realize how much men are objectified by success. Mm-hmm. You know, like you always got to be the rich man mm-hmm. or the powerful man or the man mm-hmm. with authority. Mm-hmm. So as soon as a woman starts to bleed into that territory, mm-hmm. because if a woman's strong, it's still technically in the appearance aisle you know so if you like a strong looking woman then that's okay if you like a more softer looking woman that's okay Mm -hmm. so it's all about appearances Mm -hmm. but as soon as she's like smarter more successful Mm -hmm. more powerful has more authority than you then that's Mm -hmm. the the new threat i think yeah yeah facing why do you feel emasculated why do you feel like you can't contribute because now you can contribute in other aspects that don't Mm -hmm that aren't, you know, the breadwinner type roles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a like, you know, supportive role. And is there a problem with being like beta, you know, the sidekick, like Robin, yeah. like, I want to be Batman, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love the reference. I think part of that is like not, not being self-aware of your, your strengths, right? Like, and for me, like I said, I, I grew up very shy, very apprehensive. And also I had a lot of uh, low self-esteem. And so I was, I was always very fixated on my weaknesses and never really highlighted any of my, my strengths. And so I think that's why I often felt emasculated because my weaknesses were always in the forefront of my mind. And I, n- I never, like just the, the typical things that, that society deems as like, a, a, like an alpha male I felt like I didn't have that, nor did I have any other strengths. So it was like, what am I really contributing to? If I'm like this sensitive dude, I don't play sports. So therefore society deems me as not manly. How am I contributing? I don't have the finances to, you know, get my girl a house or the ring or, you know, like make babies and stuff. And so for me, I think once I started to kind of highlight my, my strengths and then not ignore my weaknesses but know that they're there and and if i can fix them or change them or or enhance them and turn them into strengths then i would and going into that mindset now you know i don't i don't have the same types of of um feelings in terms of like feeling emasculated that i did in my last relationship so i know you know yeah i'm not rich but um I, I'm, I'm still able to pro- provide in other ways and, you know, maybe not uh, an enormous amount financially, but I can still contribute to some degree. And again, it, it, it goes back to what I was saying about the teamwork rather than the competition. It's not about, oh, like I make more than you, ha 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 kind of thing. It's more so like, okay, well, what, what do we bring into the table? And like, let's let's assess what we both have and see where we can kind of divvy our, our assets and 
not just financially, but, you know, in other aspects as well, in terms of like, what are we bringing to this relationship as a whole, right? And that's kind of how I view it now. And I try to kind of take the gender out of it. This is why I say men and women need each other, because it's like, you're filling, you're filling the gaps for each other, right? It's like the, if I'm, if I'm lacking in something, then ideally you're, 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 you want to attract a partner who can fill fill those gaps and vice versa, right? So you guys are both kind of like helping each other out, right? So. And it's very interesting to see the change in gender roles now. Mm -hmm. I think think as I'm kind of entering like enterprise level in my business and Mm -hmm. I have, I'm surrounded by so many entrepreneurial women Mm -hmm. that I'm looking for supportive male roles now. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to find them because everyone Mm -hmm. wants to be the boss man you know everyone Mm -hmm. wants to be the one in charge calling the shots everything Mm -hmm. so it's very rare to ever hear someone say like hey can I help you Mm -hmm. you know and wouldn't you just want to help everyone like I think helping people feels good like you have clients that you help and make them feel better about themselves and that's actually like I think the most powerful you Mm -hmm. know because you've changed someone's life to Mm -hmm. be better yeah absolutely yeah. Like I know some, some guys would like have a problem with like, Oh, like, uh, like I want to be like a stay at home dad kind of thing or whatever. Right. Like, again, like for me, as long as you can, you're not blazing around and you're, you're, you're not contributing at all. And sometimes your contribution doesn't always have to be financial. It can be in other ways just to make both your lives more easier. I think that's the most important thing. It's like, how are you contributing? And, and not, it doesn't necessarily have to be financial. So yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the mindset that I'm in now. Like I'm like, if I have to be a stay-at-home dad, I'll so be it. I'll be a stay-at-home dad, right? But you know, I don't think that makes me less of a man. If anything, I, I can contribute in other ways. I'm still of the mindset where it's like, I will protect my family at all costs, no, no matter what. And I think that's that's partially what makes... A man right it's like your your willingness to protect your family and and just be there for them and provide for them and it doesn't always have to be financially exactly like there's yeah. a the whole multitude of ways yeah i want to i want to wrap up with a couple questions mm-hmm. i think just 2020 has been a wild year for everybody mm-hmm. and has given us time to mm-hmm. reflect on what we're doing like what's the point you know the world's mm-hmm. about to end so mm-hmm. if it is gonna end mm-hmm. you know what would it what would you want to change you know and mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people have been making big movements over mm-hmm. 2020 mm-hmm. so what toxic characteristic did you learn about yourself in 2020 that you want to change in 2021 oh that's a good question i guess for me learning to learning to accept when i'm wrong and admit when I'm wrong and apologizing quickly when when I am in the wrong kind of thing and like swallowing my pride and my ego. I realized that that again was another issue that I had in my last relationship where it was always about me um, holding on to my pride, holding on to my ego. I didn't care. Like my my girl at the time could have been crying and I'd just be like, my ego is just too strong. I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'm like, I'm right. Right. And I remember Tony Robbins, I believe it was Tony Robbins that said this. It was um, something along the lines of when it comes to a relationship and you're you're arguing with your partner, you have to ask yourself, do you want to be right or do you want to be in love? And that really spoke to me in the sense of like, okay, yeah, like sometimes like because I could remember, sorry to backtrack, but I could remember like, you know, back in the day with my ex, we'd be arguing. And even if I won the fight, I actually lost because if I ever made her cry, 
and she was like, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, like, you know, whatever. I didn't feel good afterwards. It's like, we went through all of this. I ended up getting her to see my point of view, but now she's crying. And I feel like crap because I'm the cause of it, right? So it's like, what did that really solve? It just made, it just makes her more upset. I don't feel good. Now everything is awkward. So it was more so like me learning to swallow my pride and, and, and my ego and just sometimes cutting my losses and, and, and remembering why it is I'm in a relationship. It's like, I'm not in it to win one over on my partner, right? I'm, I'm in it to be in love or, and to be a companion to that person. And so that was something that I had struggled with and working diligently on now in 2020. I think it's interesting in how much we put in external validation to prove mm. like how much we feel about ourselves or to mm-hmm. like be winning all the time. Yeah. To go with the, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be in love? I think of, you can be in an argument mm-hmm. and an argument is who is right, mm-hmm. me or you. Mm-hmm. Or you can be in a conversation and decide what is right. Yeah. That way there's no winners or losers. Yeah together what is yeah. right yeah totally different conversation right yeah no like uh like i was just gonna say um my a friend of mine who is a um she's into the tantric arts she said you look at the relationship in threes it's like there's you there's your partner and then there's the relationship right mm. so it's always like people are you can either think about what's best for you your partner can think about what's best for them or you guys can think about what's best for the relationship right and so when you think of it like that it's like okay yeah so when I think about just me, it's just like my own selfish needs, right? And then vice versa with my with the partner, right? But when you're thinking about what's best for the relationship, then it's like you almost put, not that you put all your needs aside, but it's like, you're like, you're willing to compromise in that regard, kind of like what you were saying, right? So yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a, a more healthier alternative to the whole competition mentality. Mm-hmm, for sure. What negative thoughts do your female friends have about themselves? that you would wish to change? That they're not good enough or that they're not pretty or a big one that they'll be single forever. They'll never find love. That's a huge one. Yeah, I, it, it's unfortunate because I'm a believer in energy and like you, like your words are very powerful and, and your thoughts are very powerful. And so what, what you say and what you think becomes your reality. And you know, the energy, that negative energy that you're, you're latching onto is, is being projected out into the universe and it's just going to return back to you in the same fashion. And so I really try my best to kind of be there as a friend to kind of steer them in the, in the right direction. But it's like, it's a journey that they really have to find and explore for themselves in terms of changing that, that internal dialogue so that they can start to attract more positive things and, and feeling better about themselves, right? I think that's interesting that you think it's, you know, women, I mean, it it makes sense that women are worried about being single, you know, like, Mm -hmm. do I, am I going to get kids, you know, who's going to support me? And I don't know. I don't know. How come men don't feel the same way? Like, are you guys not afraid of being single forever as well? I mean, I think, I I think some men do. Like I I have some guy friends who do feel that way, but I just think the way the world is right now and the way, you know, society is men men don't have the same kind of time crunch that women do, right? And so a man has time. He could he could be well into his 40s and then be like, mm, okay, you know what? Maybe it's time I start to settle down and there'll be no issues with that, right? Whereas a woman, 
doesn't necessarily have that same luxury because her biological clock is ticking. And I understand that, that reasoning. And so there's a lot more. And plus, on top of that, society puts a lot of that pressure on women to begin with, right? Whether it's coming from your parents or just outside sources, you know, society says, oh, yeah, if you're not, if you're still, if you're still single by 30, then, you know, you're wasting your life. Like, what are you doing? Right. And I don't believe that's the case at all. I, I, I just think, yeah, I do think that men, men have, like, they just have more time. And I think that's why they don't feel quite as strongly in that regard in comparison to women. Yeah. Cause I think like everyone doesn't want to be lonely. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also interesting that women feel like they need a man to complete them, you Mm -hmm. know, for whatever society expects out of them rather than thinking like, what do I want out of life first? Yeah. 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 I don't think a lot of people are thinking that way. I think because of the societal conditions, most people are thinking very linear in the sense of like, you know, this is what society has laid out for me. It's like, by by this age, I have to be married. By this age, I have to have a kid. By this age, I have to have my own house and blah, 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 blah. Right. But, you know, it's, it's funny how like society keeps changing and yet our way of thinking still remains the same in a lot of ways. Right. We're still of that same mindset where we have to do all of this stuff by this age and, and whatnot. And so I think we have to evolve and change with the times and realize that like, you know, the world doesn't quite work like that anymore. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those, uh, those tricky things that, you know, it's, it's hard to answer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My last question to you is out of all the topics we talked about today, what resonated with you the most that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show? Oh, there's so many. Um, I think that overall, this whole interview was really, was really great. And as I was talking, it kind of made me put things into perspective in terms of, of women, men, how we sometimes view things differently, how, how men are sometimes perceived, how, how women are sometimes perceived. I think, um, I think a couple of guys come to mind in terms of who I'd like to invite and in terms of the, the topic, the alpha male topic that was uh, the discussion that we had and then how women are perceived and like that whole thing about um, feeling like some guys feeling emasculated by women, you know, now lifting weights or fending for themselves and that kind of thing. I think that'd be a really interesting um, topic to kind of extrapolate further because um, there's so many different things that you could um, discuss in regards to that not just exclusive to weightlifting, but everything. So yeah, yeah, those those topics. It was all good. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's so hard to choose, but yeah. Yeah, I think like the alpha thing, it's, it's a very traditional mindset and it bleeds mm-hmm. into so many things. And, you know, that can go into like age old caveman kind of stories, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack in, in yeah. that scenario and how that is reflected in... Mm-hmm today's age right yeah everything's different but our minds aren't aren't different absolutely yeah 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 thank you so much for having me and uh this was like an awesome talk thank you have your views about therapy changed since listening to this episode i think the biggest takeaway from this chat was to realize that society changes all the time but our way of thinking stays the same for a while and you have to unwire yourself from that this is where the conflict comes Make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.